Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Delicious Legacy Podcast, an archaeogastronomical adventure. With me, Thomas Dinas. On each episode, I'm diving deep into the past to find out the secret history of some of the most popular ingredients today or to explore some unknown herbs and spices some long-lost recipes from our history, but also to find out what people ate in different regions across the world all those hundreds or thousands of years ago. I have to tell you that I'm very excited for this episode. A bittersweet exploration of the history of chocolate. So come with me to the deepest jungles of Mesoamerica and let's find out where the cacao tree came from. You see, we don't think enough about um, chocolate and about the cacao tree. We are used to our ready-made chocolate bars from the supermarkets and the shops and all this confectionery nonsense, which are full of uh, sugar and some sort of milk powder and um, vegetable fats. And yet we think this is chocolate, but that's not the case. That's not true. Let's find out the true history and taste of the real chocolate of the Mayans and the Aztecs of ancient Mesoamerica. Come on, don't wait. Let's dive in to another archaeogastronomical adventure. The Jesuit José de Acosta, in his Natural and Moral History, published in 1590, wrote, The main benefit of this cacao is a beverage which they make called chocolate which is a crazy thing valued in that country. It disgusts those who are not used to it. For it has a foam on top, or a scum, like bubbling. 
It is a valued drink in which the Indians offer to the lords who come or pass through the land. And the Spanish men, even more so the Spanish women, are addicted to black chocolate. Deep in the diverse, evergreen and humid tropical forests of Yucatan lies a secret. Something that in the past 50 years we certainly have become more familiar with. Yet, when one sets foot today in these vast tropical landscapes, it is hard to imagine. Once, this was part of the urban landscapes of the Mayans, long before the European invaders trampled on American soil with their armor and their leather boots. Here, Mayans planted cacao trees, amongst other crops, on these sites, right on the riverbanks. The birdsong in the morning was, and still is, intense. Troops of howler monkeys swing and cry and feast on figs that grow along the river and which provide the shade the cacao trees need to thrive. The earliest linguistic evidence of chocolate consumption stretches back three or even four millennia to the pre-Columbian cultures of Mesoamerica, such as the Olmec. Cacao is the word that Mayans used, taken perhaps from Olmec language and culture, which unfortunately hasn't left us with any discernible writing system, amongst the general dearth uh, of uh, archaeological evidence. Mostly because the environment that is favored by the chocolate tree and the Olmec civilization is the humid tropical forests, a most unsuitable environment for archaeological preservation. As far as we can decipher from data, it was them who first domesticated the plant. The Mayans were the first um, truly uh, big civilization of Mesoamerica. And by Mesoamerica, we mean the area between North America, United States, and South America, like starting from Venezuela and Colombia and so on. Um, and Mayans uh, lived and thrived um, after the Olmecs, and that's uh, more or less the same area, a little bit south of uh, where later on the Aztecs um, created their own empire, let's say. So the Mayan civilization was um, in what is today the Yucatan Peninsula. And the peninsula covers a quite a big area, um, about uh, the size of, um, if you think about the Washington states in USA, or the size of England and Scotland together, or something like Greece and Albania and North Macedonia, if you put them together. This is roughly the area of Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, the Mayan civilization stretched a little bit further than that and covered areas of modern Guatemala, Honduras, and the Chiapas uh, highlands in Mexico. So all this area was part of the Mayan civilization, and we have to think of them as uh, more or less independent um, city-states, sort of like the ancient Greek states, city-states, mostly trading mostly in trade between them, and but also occasionally in war against each other. And the Mayas were truly one of the magnificent civilizations. They had writing, they had very advanced mathematics and astronomy, and of course they built uh, huge cities with pyramids. 
So yeah, uh, they thrived for a few, for roughly 1,500 years. And of course, the Mayans are the ones who gave us truly the start of the cacao addiction and transmitted this to the Aztecs and of course to the Europeans. Also, Yucatan is home of the Tixulub um, impact crater, which is buried under the peninsula. So this is um, this is when uh, a large asteroid fell into Earth 66 million years ago, and um, it was 10 kilometers wide, and basically it's the one that um, caused the devastation and um, disappearance of um, dinosaurs from Earth. So yeah, this is another reason to know Yucatan aside from uh, his famous cacao trees and the Mayan civilization. In the latter parts of uh, the epic Mayan poem Popol Vuh, which is uh, a foundational sacred narrative of the Quiche people, one of the Maya people, uh, in explaining how the Mayan gods created the world, the Popol Vuh features the hero twins Hunahpu and Xabalanque, who were transformed into respectively the sun and the moon. When the gods were creating humans in their final form, having failed to create them in earlier attempts, the foods which were to form the bodies had to be sought out, and these the gods found in the mountain of sustenance. And so they were happy over the provisions of the good mountain, filled with sweet things, thick with yellow corn, white corn, a thick with patacte, and cacao, countless zapotes, anonas, zacotes, nances, matazanos, sweets, the rich food filling up the citadel named Prokin Place, bitter water place. All the edible fruit were there, small staples, great staples, small plants, and great plants. Maya people could and would write everything down, everything that was in their language. They developed a system that proved to be phonetic-syllabic and partly semantic. Among the things that they wrote about was cacao. Unfortunately for us, and of course unfortunately for the Mayans, thousands of books were destroyed in the bonfires of the Spanish conquistadors. Tragically, only four more or less seem to survive to our day. The most elaborate of these is the Dresden Codex, and that obviously is in Dresden, and has sections that uh, deal with uh, ritual activities tied into the Mayan sacred 260-day cycle. And these um, sections were cracked, so to speak, by a Russian epigrapher and linguist, Yuri Knorosov, in the 50s and 60s. So in several sections of the Codex, we see seated gods that they can be seen holding cacao pods or dishes heaped with cacao beans. These are images in these books, in this Codex. We know that this is cacao, since the text written about its deity states that what is held in the hand uh, of the god is his cacao. And uh, on one page, dealing with the New Year's ceremonies, so important in the late Mayan societies in Yucatan, the opossum god travels a sacred road to the edge of the town, carrying the rain god on his back, while the associated text tells us that cacao is his food. Another from the surviving books, the Madrid Codex, depicts four gods piercing their own ears with obsidian lancets, 
and scattering showers of precious blood over cacao pods. This is especially interesting since sources tell us that uh, there were strong symbolic uh, associations between chocolate and human blood among both uh, the late Mayan and the Aztec uh, peoples. Today's episode is brought to you with the welcome support of Malbin Greek, UK's leading Greek delicatessen, supplier and distributor of premium Greek produce. Whatever your needs, Malbin Greek has you covered. You can shop online and have the divine and delicious goods delivered to your doorstep across the UK, or you can visit the shop at Art17 Apollo Business Park, Lucy Way, SC16, 4ET, Bermondsey, London. Malbian Greek, the one-stop shop for your Greek fix. Hello, hello, this is Dr. Rad. And this is Dr. G. And together, we're the co-hosts of The Partial Historians. We love ancient Rome and all the quirks that humanity has to offer. Our podcast combines analysis, discussion about sources, and a good dash of irreverence. As lovers of the delicious legacy, we know you have an appetite for the delights of the ancient world. Join us for our narrative episodes as we explore the history of Rome from the founding of the city. Or perhaps you'd like to drop by for our special episodes on topics such as historical films, ancient personalities, academic guests, and our never-ending fight about who was the better emperor, Augustus or Tiberius. It's Tiberius. It's definitely Augustus. You can find The Partial Historians wherever you listen to quality podcasts, such as The Delicious Legacy. We're out and about on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And now, back to your regular program. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As we said earlier, chocolate has been known for 3,000 years, give or take, to humankind. And for almost all of its history, it has been consumed as a drink. Mayas and Aztecs both used to drink it, making a form of frothy chocolate drink, flavoured sometimes with spices, such as chilies. In order to achieve the froth, which was considered a sign of high quality, the drink was poured back and forth between uh, two jars. Yeah, the form was very, very important on this, on this uh, Mayan drink, on this Mayan chocolate drink. So it had to be really, really f- frothy. So imagine you had to go back and forth many times to create this form. And this bubble was very much appreciated. Imagine like when you have a, a big uh, pint of beer with a nice head on and you first sip it and you get the form, that kind of thing. And um, basically, the Mayans even had um, a cocoa god. Part of the mythology and part of the traditions also had a bride and a groom uh, would exchange uh, cacao in their marriage ceremony. Children would be, let's say, baptized in uh, quotation marks with cacao water. Even Aztecs, on the other hand, uh, would serve chocolate to the elected victim of their annual sacrifice in hope to temper his melancholy in the final week before the execution. So the Aztecs would serve a nice cocoa drink to the person that they were were about to sacrifice, thinking that uh, that would lift his spirits up. They also had taught the Spanish that chocolate was uh, healthy and the drink was esteemed as a medicinal remedy when uh, it reached Europe later on. But more about the Aztecs' history of cacao uh, later on. So, yeah, chocolate is often um, seen also as an ancient medicine and an aphrodisiac. Surely it had these connotations in the Mayan civilization and it was kind of um, the thing that it was, uh, it was sold as an aphrodisiac to the Europeans when uh, the, the first Europeans brought it back from uh, Mexico to Spain, for example. So, for example, Cortes wrote to King Carlos I of Spain that Xocoatl, is a drink that builds up resistance and fights fatigue. And apparently one of uh, the officers serving Cortes was saying that the Aztec ruler Montezuma was drinking like up to 50 cups of cocoa every day, which of course is an exaggeration. So trying to trace uh, the origins of the word chocolate, etymologists trace the origin to the word chocolate, as we said, uh, which uh, was referred to a bitter drink brewed from cacao beans. The Latin name for the cacao tree is Theobroma cacao, which means uh, food of the gods. Of course, this is a much simpler explanation compared to the reality of the linguistic uh, hybridization that occurred with the Spaniards, the natives, the Creole people, and as the centuries passed and passed and the need for communication between the locals and the conquistadors. Uh, So the Spanish invaders first became familiar, as we said, with the cacao and the chocolate drink in the Maya lowlands. And in the very early Maya vocabularies, there, the drink called chocolate 
it was um it was pronounced as chakao ha literally hot water which implies that um these people drank their, their cacao hot not cold so another word for for hot in yucatec is chocol so that an alternative way of saying the same thing would be chocol ha we are now as you can see very close to chocolate and Miguel Leon Portilla, the greatest living authority of Nahuatl, which is the language of uh, the Aztecs, and a distinguished Mexican philologist, Ignacio Davilla Garibi, proposed that the Spaniards had coined the new word by taking the Maya word chocol and then replacing the Maya term for water, ha, with the Aztec one, atl. Thus, we get first the chocolatl and then the term chocolate. As we've seen, chocolate was very important in the Mayan culture. But, contrary to some ingredients... It wasn't reserved for the wealthy and the powerful, but it was readily available to almost everyone. In many Mayan households, chocolate was enjoyed with every meal. Mayan chocolate was thick and frothy and often combined with chili peppers and water and other stuff. In the raw state, plucked away from the tangy sweet, gummy white flesh lining a large pod, cacao seeds are bitter and unrecognizable as chocolate to the modern uh, mouth, to the modern taste. How would you think to take the seed, harvest it, dry it, let it ferment and roast it? It's not something that you would normally think to do. One of the theories says that someone was eating the fruit and spitting the seeds into the fire, because you can eat actually the white flesh that lines the inside of the cacao pod. And maybe somebody was eating the fruit and spitting the seeds into the fire, and the rich smell of them roasting inspired the thought maybe there's something more that one could do with this. So cacao was very important, as we said, for the Mayan culture. And, of course, figured throughout the um, social strata and society of Mayas as a sacred food as well, as a sign of prestige, as a social centerpiece and a cultural touchstone. You would have to get together to prepare the chocolate. It was a whole social process. Around Chiapas in Mexico, uh, which um, has rich tradition and history in Mayan culture, to this day, people in the area will grow chocolate as a family and as a tradition and as a cultural practice. And it's, it's a bit more like the coffee in the Arab world and the beer in North Europe. It's not only something that's um, good for you or essential for your diet, but also part of uh, the identity of these people. So cacao drinks were also drunk in special occasions, which might include initiation rites for young men or celebrations marking the end of the Mayan calendar, as we've seen earlier on. So yeah, after the Olmecs, the Maya of Guatemala, Yucatan and the surrounding region incorporated cacao seed into their religious life. Uh, we have paintings which are recovered from the time show the cacao in mythological scenes, and even in court proceedings. In the early 12th century, chocolate was also used to seal the marriage of the Mixtec ruler Eitir at Monte Alban. Yes, the name of the ruler was Eitir. So, yeah, in Monte Alban, a sacred site of the valley of Oaxaca, and uh, this is one of the few food crops that were used also as part of the wedding ceremonies. Early records of Maya marriages in Guatemala indicate that in some places 
a woman would have to make the cacao and prove that she could make it with a proper froth before um, she was um, accepted as a bride. Also, Mayans, when they had to communicate with their gods related to nature, rain, and the fertility of the earth, they were also pulling cacao and drinking. There are many drinking vessels that have been uncovered in the ruins of Maya buildings and burial sites, which have cacao residues in them. Also, a lot of these cacao pots were buried with people and could simply be because people were buried with their own fortune, their own dishes, or these pots were involved as part of the funeral ceremonies and having cacao for your afterlife and so on. Even for a large period, for several centuries, in pre-modern, obviously, pre-modern Latin America, cacao beans were considered uh, valuable enough to be used as a currency. There are some examples from writings that one bean of cacao would be traded for a tamale, while uh, 100 beans would purchase a good uh, turkey. Yeah, and there are other examples in between, of course. 74 kilometers southwest of Guatemala City is the site of Balberta, located on a fertile plain. This is a major Mesoamerican archaeological site on the Pacific coastal plains of Guatemala. This is the only major site of the Guatemala Pacific coastal plain that has been exposed so far. There, a great platform has been constructed roughly around 150 AD. In later centuries, local people built houses on top of this platform. A small structure among the houses was found to have four large urns, one buried on each of its four corners. It was a good Mesoamerican custom, since the four directions were basic to the way the structure of the universe. In one of these urns, archaeologists discovered a surprising find. A cache of what seemed to be perfectly preserved cacao beans, which was a rather astonishing piece of luck. Believing them to be petrified, the excavators they sent them off to a Guatemalan expert who identified them as the Criollo variety of cocoa. The surprising part of this discovery, however, was when the beans were sent to the USA, where a paleoethnobotanist discovered that they were not real cacao beans, but ingenious copies made from clay. So what was that, the meaning of this time-consuming and intricate uh, deception? Were they providing a symbolic representation of cacao for the divinities? Or rather that the Mesoamericans were expert counterfeiters of these beans, as the testimony of Spanish chronicles suggest? The evidence regardless is that the intensive trade was happening between Mexico to Guatemala and the Pacific coast and Teotihuacan. And either they used as a currency and they were made, people were making fake ones to deceive uh, other trading partners or it was part of a ceremony. It was so part of the culture and everybody used them, even made fake ones as offering to the gods. The homeland of Chontal Maya, also known as Putun, is the Chontalpa zone of eastern Tabasco. They grew rich on their astonishingly productive cacao plantations and their far-flung trading operations. By the time of the Spanish conquest, and probably much earlier, the Putun controlled a coastal, canoe-borne trade network that extended north from Chontalpa around the Yucatan Peninsula and down as far as the commercial centers of Nito and Naco, near the Gulf of Honduras. 
the commodity that fueled this trading machine was cacao. The Chontalpa was renowned for its production of cacao, well into the colonial era. And even today, it is the only part of Mesoamerica with commercially significant plantations. As the colonial source of 1639 tells us, the business of this country is cacao. 40, year, 40 years earlier, so the late 16th century, 1590s perhaps, a letter sent by the bishop Juan Izquierdo to Philip II, we find the description below. 100 leagues from this city is a province called Chontalpa, which is a very rich in the fruit named cacao, which is very valuable in this country of New Spain. And all the Indians in the province are always occupied in expanding their cacao properties with their gifts and goods and wealth, so that they are open-handed with their gifts to the ministers, who have them in their charge. Maya had many ways of making food and drink from the cacao tree. Unfortunately for us, with the destruction of all the documents, we've lost uh, much of this cultural information. In the late 17th century Spanish Maya dictionary, which is now in Vienna's uh, National Library, ordinary chocolate is called chacao ha, as we've seen hot water. Another drink which is made, or which was made, is from cacao, maize and sapote seeds, and is given the name june. Perhaps this was reserved for special occasions. More commonly drunk was a gruel called saka, prepared from cooked maize, water and cacao. In these dictionaries, we also find um, two chocolate flavorings. One is vanilla and the other is the ear flower, which we're not exactly sure what <laughs> herb was that. Today, in the La Canton Maya of the Eastern Chiapas region, Uh, they retain many cultural traditions, including culinary ones, that must be, at least some of them, some must have traces to the classical Mayan times. These people grow their own cacao and prepare two kinds of drinks from it, one for the ordinary consumption and one that is offered to their gods. So, although we have scant amounts of, informa of information compared to what once was available of the written records of Mayan cultures, Most certainly, fresh cacao beans and their pulp were exploited in some way. The 17th century chronicler Antonio Fuentes y Guzman, writing about the Pacific slopes of Guatemala, has this to say. But returning to record the virtues of cacao, one should know that as soon as it leaves the pod, it exudes a most excellent and very fresh liquid, which the Indians take from it with great dexterity. They did this by piling the fresh pulp-enclosed beans in a small clean dugout canoe, in which, from its own gravity, the pulp expressed an abundant liquor of the smoothest taste, between sour and sweet, which is of the most refreshing coolness, especially for relief from the unrelenting heat of the region. The drink was alcoholic, As the process he describes was part of the usual fermentation involved in cacao production. Indeed, such a wine is still enjoyed in Chontalpa. It was the Maya who first taught the old world how to drink chocolate. And it was the Maya who gave us the word cacao. They deserve recognition in the culinary history of Theobroma cacao.
Thank you for listening. I've been Thomas Dinas, and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast. Join me on Patreon, where you can get the podcasts early and ad free with extra content in the form of recipes and, of course, many other bonus material such as um, my own personal recipes, photos, musings, essays, thoughts, and so on and so on. Join me next time to find more about the history of chocolate. So join me next week for more of chocolate's bittersweet history. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.